From coast to coast, women grow up with their bodies being watched and, almost without fail, learning to watch their own bodies. This self-surveillance begins young and for many women feels impossible to stop. It permeates our relationships and decisions, negatively impacts our physical well-being, mental health, and overall quality of life. The Body Myth Podcast explores how we got here, why our size and shape have nothing to do with happiness, and what we can do to find body peace. I'm Ronit Plank, and I'm your host for the Body Myth Podcast. Let's get off of this weight and body image roller coaster together. Welcome to episode 13 of The Body Myth. If you've been listening for a little while, then you know I like to begin some of my episodes with answers to questions I posed to women who took my survey called Your Body and the World. And I've gone over answers from different questions over the course of this series. Today, I want to go through some of the answers to the question, if you've been on diets, can you list three? And a trigger warning that because I'm going to be talking directly about diets and diet culture, if this is a little bit too much for you, you might want to skip about 10 minutes to my interview with Ronnie Robinson. So here are some selected answers. If you've been on diets, can you list three? Weight Watchers, multiple times. Slimming World, counting calories. The 500 calorie a day diet with the addition of biking 15 miles a day, the carb free diet and the more healthy 1200 calorie a day diet with personal training sessions three times a week. Atkins Weight Watchers program and FenFen in the 2000s through an MD's office. Low fat diet, low carb diet, or just plain food restriction. Ketogenic Atkins Weight Watchers. Everyone. High protein, grapefruit diet, cybergenics, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig. Atkins Diet, TLS Weight Loss Solution, The Zone Diet. Keto Calorie Counting, Intermittent Fasting. They all involved just eating less. Whole30 Ketogenic Paleo. Weight Watchers Nutrisystem Anti-Inflammation Diet. Nutrisystem Weight Watchers Slim Fast Cabbage Soup. In the 1980s, when fat-free was a trend, I was happy to eat tons of carbs. Of course, I did not lose weight. Even though I was a size 12, most of my friends were smaller. I put on quite a bit of weight during the pandemic and signed up with a friend to do Weight Watchers together. It wasn't heinous and I lost some weight, but life got crazy again and I haven't been able to follow the plan. I think people who buy into fad diets are chumps. Weight Watchers Atkins Juicing Weight Watchers, some sort of weird cayenne pepper drink thing, restricting to less than 500 calories a day. Paleo Macrobiotic Keto, Vegetarian and Noom. Not a lot. I've done the Game On diet a few times with friends, made some partial adjustments to shift to more keto or paleo at times, but not in a strict way. Tried to follow a twin diet during both twin pregnancies to eat more and after because nursing multiples, I lost weight too fast. 
Only time I lost a significant amount of weight was when I was actively trying not to lose it so fast while nursing babies. I knew I was losing muscle mass and it would bounce back even more later. But people liked me skinnier even though I was really unwell. Ah, yes. Um, Okay, I don't even think I need to comment on that. I think that we often get told that we look really good when we're thin. So that's a little bit confusing and uh, destructive. Here's answers to another question which I asked. Question number nine, what is your first thought when you see a woman who looks heavier than you? My mother and sister are both extremely overweight. So whenever I see a woman who is heavier than I am, I don't have any thoughts about her at all, to be honest. I'm accustomed to seeing and loving and admiring women who are much larger than I am, so it doesn't cross my mind at all. I always appreciate it if she seems happy and confident, but it is something I will notice and sometimes reflect on gratitude that I am not heavy like that. I wonder if she's happy and feels good. No negative judgment and love when they seem to be at peace with themselves, Breaks my heart to hear self-deprecating comments, although I've been guilty myself. First is, you're fat. Second is, thank goodness I don't look like that. It doesn't help that my husband also points that out. She isn't taking good care. I often wonder, am I that fat? Definite body dysmorphia. Glad I'm not her, don't have her weight struggles, which is really unkind of me, but it's the truth. Honestly, I might say a prayer for them because I know they're probably struggling with body issues just like me and have further to go than I do. Neutral. Nothing. She should lose some weight or she's so big. Not always, but pretty often despite the work I've been doing. Relief. Camaraderie. Want to offer advice, but then send spiritual hug. Please help her and help me. Is that what I look like? Thankfully, I don't think about this at all. I don't want to end up as heavy as she is. I'm glad I'm not her. To a degree, I don't think about it. However, I do find myself noticing obese people. I'm from the U.S., but mostly live abroad. There is a culture shock when returning to the U.S. to see just how many people are obese. It is not even remotely close in most of the rest of the world. It depends on the woman. If she looks confident, happy, stylish, or just bold, I'm glad to see it. If she looks downtrodden, I feel sad. This is so horrible, but honestly, thank God I don't look like her, or I wonder how hard that is for her. Okay, so this is a little bit of a longer introduction, but I I really want to also answer the question in the same episode introduction, to number 10, what is your first thought when you see a woman who looks thinner than you? And here are some of the answers. Jealousy. Again, it depends on how pulled together they are or how healthy they look. If pulled together, I think, wow, they look great and I used to be able to pull that off. She must have better control of her life than I do. If she is really thin, then I feel both empathy and have a weird reaction of disgust. If she seems quote, fit, I feel envy and start to make goals for myself. Jealousy that they can probably maneuver the physical limitations of this world easier. No seatbelt extender, no specialty shops for bras or clothing. Easier to physically fit into the world's spaces, office chairs, airplane seats, restaurant booths, amusement rides, toilets. The list is endless. 
They usually don't have to worry if they will, quote, fit. Why can't I look like that? Envy, admiration. How does she maintain her figure? I wish I was like that. I wish. I used to be. She looks great. I wonder how she manages to be thin. Is she genetically predisposed to thinness? Is she dieting? Does she have an eating disorder? Is she an athlete? Is she exercise obsessed? She looks better than me. I wish I looked like that. I wish I was that weight. I don't think about it much anymore unless I see a woman who looks frail, in which case I worry and wonder if she has a disease, not necessarily an eating disorder, but any disease that might make it hard for her to keep on weight or develop muscle. Most women I see are thinner than I am. I don't consciously think much about it. I don't compare myself to them unless they are similar in age or style, and then sometimes I get a bit envious. If she's not muscular, I wonder if she's naturally thin or has an eating disorder. I wish that was me. This is evolving as I get older. It's not about others anymore. Why can't I look like this? Wonder what she eats to live. Usually jealous, but I don't actually have that reaction every time I see someone who is thinner than I am. I hate you for being more charmed and blessed than I am. Nice figure. I wonder if she works out. No big deal for me these days. I wish I could look like her, and then I compare our thigh gaps and belly bulge. Dread, anger, resentment. Must be nice to fit in the world without having to think so much about how the environment accommodates you. Thank you very much for those answers and for taking time to complete this survey. Thank you so much for those answers to this survey. And I always find it helpful to hear and learn what others are feeling because it helps make me feel like I'm in a community of women who might understand what I'm experiencing. And now it's time to introduce Ronnie Robinson, my guest for episode 13. Today, my guest is Ronnie Robinson. Ronnie is a member of the sandwich generation. She's the tired lunch meat layered between two college-age children and aging parents. And those are her words, not mine. (laughs) She is a writer and indoor cycling instructor who lives in eastern Pennsylvania, where she lives with her husband in their second year of empty nesting as both kids are off to college. Ronnie's passion is helping others who are struggling with eating disorders. She also does public speaking about eating disorders and emotionally abusive relationships. Out of the Pantry is Ronnie's debut memoir, chronicling her 30 years of binge eating and compulsive overeating and her journey to recovery. Welcome, Ronnie. Thank you, Roni. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy we're doing this. We first met through Stephanie Weaver, who Mm -hmm. will also be a guest on this podcast, when we did a four-person Instagram live about disordered eating with Ali Spots de Lazar. And that's when we first started talking, and we've been in touch ever since. Mm -hmm. And I just am so happy that we have a chance to talk about body image in America and body shame among women. Before we get into, you know, where you began with your book, I want to ask you, how old you were when you first thought about your size and and became aware of it or judged your body? Probably, I think I would say uh, my freshman year in high school. um, I was always athletic, um, you know, kind of a tomboy playing boys sports and on boys teams and stuff. And my freshman year in high school, I was on um, the softball team. And I remember at the end of a practice one day, I was walking back with my friend Judy, the catcher, 
and Judy was a little bit of a big girl. Um, and I, you know, it wasn't anything I ever really thought of for myself. And the coach, and I think with all the best intentions, but was like, hey, um, I'd love to see you two race. And I thought to myself, well, that's silly. I'm so much smaller than her. I, you know, I would win. Why would that, you know, be something that he would want to see or, you know what I mean, that he would mm. even make note of. And the truth was, is that I, I, I barely beat her. And that was um, the first time I realized that I was like bigger and chubby and, um, you know, overweight and that that's how I was seen. Um, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I'm. This was like a total plot twist. I was not yes. expecting. I'm trying to figure this out. So, because I want to get behind your thinking a little bit. So you're saying that you. Yeah, were I under forgot. The I realized that when I after I, I realized that the other day. I'm like, you know, what? I don't think I put that on your form that you asked. Oh no, no, no. Um, this is just no. There's so many. Um, no, Ronnie. There's so many stories about our bodies and how we grow up and what we think about them and what other people tell us about them that I'm sure if you listed them all you would have forgotten a whole <laughs> bunch right like there's a whole bunch but what I'm saying like so you were walking with your your friend Judy and in your estimation you were a smaller person than her mm -hmm. that was what yep. you thought and yep. and then but this is the part that that struck me uh, of the things that are interesting to me here, you thought that because if you were smaller, you would definitely be faster, like oh, that you sure. would naturally have more strength. I would absolutely because... be, I would absolutely be quicker than her. And I thought it was interesting that he would um, sort of put me in a, you know, jokingly kind of jokingly, you know, in a race with her because I thought she was so different than me. So then it was the the not winning or getting really close that made you realize, wait a minute, actually. Yeah. I mean, I did win, but just by a little bit. And it was mm -hmm. like really, I really had a push to beat her. And I thought, oh, you know, and then it struck me. I, I realized not at that moment, but I was like, oh, my God, do I look, am I, do I look like her? Do I have a weight mm -hmm. problem? You know, and, and then, you know, and then I was teased by boys, um, you know, and that kind of thing. I think that was probably like the one of the first times that somebody kind of brought that to my attention. <laughs> and so did your parents ever talk about your size? And did you have siblings? I had an older brother who was a beanpole back then and still today. My mother never said a word. My father used to kid me about the size of my tush. He would, you know, make jokes about how big my rear end was. I can't exactly pinpoint when that was probably before um or right around that time um so I think around then's when I started to to gain weight I had started uh this opens up a whole you know can of worms at around the age of nine my mother hid cookies from me um, she would come home from work every Friday she'd stop at the grocery store on her way home from work and my job was to unload the groceries put them on the table and then she would put them away and I would you know unpack like Oreos and I'd be like cool we've got Oreos in the house and uh, one this one time it started I went like the next day to get the Oreos out of the snack drawer and they weren't there and I remember I like looked all around the kitchen I couldn't find them and I was like that's really weird. I know I just took these out of the bag yesterday. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then this kind of went on for weeks. And finally, I went to my mother and asked her about it. And she was reading a book, which is what 
she's always doing. And she was kind of like shrugged her shoulders, like, you know, I don't know. And in my home, my father was very domineering. Um, he was, I mean, he was, you know, <laughs> may he rest in peace, but he was a jerk. And um, he was always, in his mind, um, he was always right. Um, he never said his, he was sorry for anything because there's no need. He never did anything wrong. His poop didn't stink. I mean, he was just, mm -hmm. you know, you know, that was it. So if there was ever any, um, my mother arguing with him, she always eventually backed down because my father was just impossible and you never won an argument with him. So unbeknownst to me, I observed that and I guess sort of observed my mother's kind of backing down. And when I approached her with asking her about it and she sort of shrugged it off, I didn't you know, call her out on it or, or anything. I mean, I scoured the house like a ninja looking for the food and I could never find it. Um, that led to me using my allowance money or birthday money or whatever I had. And I would walk around. We fortunately or unfortunately lived right around the corner from a supermarket, you know, and in those days, kids just went anywhere. You know, mm -hmm. I was a, I was a latchkey kid and, you know, I think I'd walked around the corner before and it was, you know, no big deal. So, um, yeah, and I would go around and I would buy, you know, like a, a two-pound bag of M&Ms and I'd come home and I'd eat them all in one sitting and, um, you know, I'd put the, take the M&M package and put it in um, in the, the supermarket bag and then buried in the trash. I, you know, I did it in secret. And then, um, you know, the next day I'd go around and get a half gallon of ice cream and do that. And the next day would be like Anamans donuts. And it wasn't because I was hungry. I had a sweet tooth um, and kind of just thought that's what it was. And I liked chocolate and candy and um, sweets. And uh, I would just go and do that. And then, um, you know, this continued as I got older. Um, and then, you know, had a car and I could eat in my car. That ended up going on for 30 years. <laughs> Do you have a sense of what you were hiding from or who you were hiding from? No idea. No idea. I just, this is such an awful thing to say, but I just thought I was a pig. I mm -hmm. just thought I was a pig and that I had a sweet tooth and mm -hmm. I just loved eating. And I did it in secret, and it wasn't anything I ever talked about with anybody else. Um, I knew, I didn't know what I was doing was specifically wrong, but I knew that I felt shameful enough about it that I never told anybody. Mm -hmm. Do you think anyone suspected it? Do you think your parents suspected you were doing it? I have no idea. There was no communication or emotional support or talking anything in my family there was no mm -hmm. closeness no sense of family no um nobody there who was you know saying ronnie you're you're beautiful and you're smart and you know you're funny and you can do anything in this world and da, 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 da. i had nobody who said, oh, you look like you had a bad day at school. Let, let's talk about it. What happened? You know, mm -hmm. there was just none of that in my life. No closeness with anybody in my house. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't ever know what they thought besides the fact that my father teasing me about the size of my rear end. Um, you know, that's about the most communication that there was um, 
about that. So, so I'm hearing then that the food became, I mean, and this is a complex subject that of course I, you know, you know far more about it than I do, but it sounds like from what you understood, the foot, you were quote a pig, that you had a sweet tooth and you needed to do this in secret. Was the eating at all related to your father's comment or, you know, was there any concern about your body? Not expressed from my parents. Um, there certainly was for me, probably when I was in college and was kind of doing my own, I mean, I was doing my own laundry for years. My mom had started me very young with that. But, you know, my clothes were, were getting, you know, when I went away to college, I put on 20 pounds by Thanksgiving, my freshman year. And needless to say, my clothes weren't fitting and I would not wash them like my jeans in particular because they you know you wash them they sort of shrink mm. back up and I could yeah. never put them on so I would I wore clothes that didn't smell good and I would try to put powder in them and, and do whatever um, and I really just kind of ended up wearing sweatpants um, and sweatshirts all the time um, to just have something that I could wear and then the, when I did come home for Thanksgiving and this is my parents never visited me at school even though I was like an hour away I came home and I you know was hoping to have a nice you know kind of reception you know you're, I heard all my other girlfriends talking about oh I can't wait to go home and see my dog and I can't wait to go see this or that or whatever so I kind of like started to get a little excited to go home um, for the first time and you know I walked in the door and my mother was like oh my God, you look terrible. <laughs> um, so that was, that was really the and, first and did time. She say, did she say why though? Did she give you information about what she meant? Like, was it your face, your hair? Was it your, like, what was it specifically? You know, I don't know if she said you, you gained so much weight or you look so different. Um, mm. I really can't remember, but I certainly took it as oh my God, you know, and I, I knew I had put on weight, but to just hear, you know, this person who's supposed to be so important in your life, who's supposed to be your cheerleader and your biggest supporter and so forth and who you look to. And even though we weren't close or anything, you know, still just hearing that was like a punch in the gut. Sure. They have so much power, our parents, right? you know, over us forever, actually, emotional power. So did she have issues with weight or her, you know, did she talk about herself in a way that was, you know, hard? Or do you know if she ever talked about her stuff with food and body? No, I don't think she she really did. She was always kind of average size. Um, and, uh, you know, I may have heard her say, uh, oh, you know what, I've put on a couple pounds. I've got to, you know, stop eating the ice cream at night or something like that. But yeah, it, was, it wasn't a big deal. Um, she didn't ever talk to me about it. Um, I think just sort of, you know, what I would say, like, you know, a, a typical mom thing of, oh, you know, I start, I, well, I guess there are moms who are atypical and are awful and go, oh my God, my, my butt is so fat. I need to, da, 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 da. And, they, and they're a horrible, you know, example for their children. Um, uh, but no, my mom really didn't do that. Um, and she didn't call it to my attention either. I don't know mm -hmm. if she thought she was helping me by not calling attention, you know, um, mm -hmm. throughout all that time, except for the one day. So you come home from college, you've been worried about not fitting into your clothing, mm -hmm. and you're not washing your clothes very much, <sighs> and you come home, and the first thing your mom says is negative about you. Right. And so, you know, did, did weight, did weight and size 
means something to you at this stage in your life about what you were supposed to look like? I mean, I knew I would see girls who were who had, you know, what I deemed, you know, a cute figure. Um, they were thin, whatever the case may be. And I knew I, I didn't look like that. I thought that it would be nice if I looked like that. But my need to compulsively overeat and binge just over you know, always overtook me. There was just, I mean, I would, you know, go on a diet and maybe lose a little bit, but it always came back because I just, the, the compulsion I had to stuff my face was just so, um, overwhelming. (laughs) Mm. So can you talk a little bit about writing your book and, you know, what you discovered when you wrote your book about your body and your, your patterns and your family? Yeah. So I, I wrote the book um, I'm, I'm over 14 years recovered um, from the eating disorder now, and I think at about year eight or so, I'd always, I've been a writer my whole life, uh, mainly just, you know, as being like a reporter or a features writer, um, and always knew I had a book in me at some point, but didn't know any, you know, I didn't know who, what, where, when, why. Um, so at this point, at eight years recovered, um, I thought, you know what, I think I'm going to write about this. Uh, and I think I'm going to, you know, I wanted to help other people, you know, sort of I, as an analogy, you know, like being in the eating disorder, like any addiction, you know, you're in the middle of the fire and I got out of the fire and I wanted to extend my hand back in to help others out. So I thought, you mm-hmm. know what, I'm going to, I'm going to tell my story and hopefully it will help others because I'm not anything special. You know, I'm just, you know, whatever, a regular person, the girl next door. And if after 30 years of binging and, you know, compulsively overeating, I could get to recovery. You can too. And this, by the way, was found out just to take a, put a pin in that, take a step backwards. When I was writing about the 30 years of doing this, Mark, I was watching television one day. My husband was out. I think the kids were up in bed and I heard the words compulsive overeater. And, and, and maybe I had heard the expression before and it just went over my head. But for some reason that day when I heard it, it set like a little, you know, uh, bell off for me. And I went over to my computer and I started um, Googling and, you know, compulsive overeating, a term which I just never really heard before. And that's when I found um, one of the main uh, pages that came up was Overeaters Anonymous, and it, who said very prominently on their page, are you one of us? And it said, do you do this with food? Have you done that? And do you do this? And, da, 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 da. and I was like answering yes to all like whatever almost all the 15, 20 Mm. questions. And it was Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, Um, I have an eating disorder. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a mental illness. Um, You know, eating disorder is a mental illness. And it was just a very emotionally charged moment for me um, because just so much kind of fell into place and kind of made sense for me of what was going on. And I, you know, through going through all that, I learned that I, should go to OA meetings. I should um, read books. And I, uh, one of the things they mentioned um, that OA doesn't tout, but that I felt was important that I read that would be important would be good to therapy. So mm-hmm. it was in therapy that I talked with the therapist about my childhood. And that's where I learned that what my parents did and the, you know, emotionally unavailableness, <laughs> that's a word, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. them um, is what I turned to food for that love and that connection that I didn't get from them. Um, 
and uh, so that that made a lot of sense, and that then yeah. created, um, you know, I had work to do now. You know, I need to figure this out. I need to process everything, and you know, try to. I need to find um, other coping mechanisms. Um, uh, you know, and, and you know, and it was like, why would I overeat now? and stuff my face now over something that happened, you know, 35 years ago. Was it hard? It was because it was all just totally new information for me. I didn't think that there was, my childhood was my normal, you know, was my norm, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. what felt, what that was normal for me. And I, I do know that, you know, when I would go to other, my friends' houses, they would have like all these pictures on the walls of them and their parents and da da da. And we didn't have pictures in our house. Um, which, you know, now I look back at and I'm like, oh my God, what was wrong with my parents? I mean, like my house everywhere is my kids. Um, and, and I can't, and I can't get enough of them, you know? Um, right. So you realize now, and you were realizing in this process, how different your family oh, was. Like, absolutely. like your family was the outlier, but, but when you're growing up in your family, that's all you know, until exactly. you start to experience other people's families and experiences. Right. And you and that you could look at it from a certain standpoint instead of just being like, oh, yay, I'm at Tracy's house and there's her pictures and look how fu- her mom is so funny and she <laughs> does this with us. You know what I mean? Like you just um, I, I don't I just didn't have the wherewithal to observe that and put it into I mean, I observed it, but just to put it into a perspective, you know. And oh, to- but I think that's that's so common. I mean, you if we went back in time to when you were that age, you probably wouldn't be able to name it. Right. But now you can see it and you understand. But at the time, you don't know. You're just trying to get through it. And I would say survive. Right. Right. And just, you know, I was just being a kid. And why would I be analyzing my family, you know, um, compared to somebody else's? Um, So, yeah, I was eating for for love um, Mm -hmm. and for emotional support. And again, when I was about, and so I, yeah, it was work to get through that. And I had to come up with the new relationship with food again. I needed to learn what portion sizes were and, and things mm. like that. And, and there's like so many aspects with that intuitive eating and da, 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 da and, you know, mindful eating and whatnot. But, um, at about eight years, um, recovered, I decided to write this book and, um, it was just my whole journey. And I, you know, put in there very explicit, raw um, details of, you know, these eating episodes that happened more and more and more. And I just, you know, I just had stuffed my face in the throes of it. You know, I'd look myself in the mirror at night and I'd be so full. My stomach was distended. I thought I was going to like explode. And, you know, I'd call myself names and, you know, tell myself tomorrow it's going to be different and, you know, I can do this. And, and, you know, the same thing would just keep happening and happening. And I had just, I just, I was just so out of touch during those 30 years with my hunger cues and my fullness cues and so forth. And, uh, yeah, so at this point, you know, around eight years in, I'm feeling good about everything, but, you know, to, I, I wanted to write about all those things that I had done and that here's what I did. I went to therapy. I went to Overeaters Anonymous meetings, which was which were amazing to me because I couldn't believe I was in a room with a bunch of people who were doing the same thing as me. Hmm, um, no. And even just the website. I remember that night finding that website and being like, what? There's a website <laughs> for this? Because I thought I was the only one, you know, it wasn't, right. I, didn't talk, I didn't talk to, but you know, there really wasn't, the internet was new at that point, you know, and um, yeah. I never talked to anybody. And, you know, I thought I was the only one who did this. And I'm like, 
so one other person has this and they made a website, you know, like I just was really in disbelief and shock. And, you know, I remember just crying in those meetings because I just couldn't believe that there were other people. These were my people, you know, mm-hmm. and these people got me because, you know, nobody else in my life got me. Um, and this was, I was even 10 years after going through an abusive relationship in my early 20s. Um, I was now really happily married um, for like 10 years um, to my husband. And even though we were so happily married and um, very fortunate in that regard, two healthy children, um, I was still secretly binge eating. Um, and the reason was because I still had these unbeknownst to me, I had these childhood issues that I didn't even know I had, you know, that I didn't even know that I, that I had. But fortunately I did find recovery and I got down to a body size for me that felt comfortable. And I've pretty much maintained that, you know, give or take five pounds or, you know, maybe 10 pounds, but pretty much maintained it. And yeah, and I just feel so much, um, so much different in my body than I used to. Yeah, can we talk about your body? So did you, when you were in your full-fledged eating disorder, what was your relationship with your actual size and body? Because it hasn't come up yet in the conversation, and I'm wondering, because I'm very clear that you, what emerged for you was this lack of love and what you needed from your family, which then manifested as an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And so at this time, when, when you were going through this overeating, did you also have a part of the journey that felt, you know, very centered in the way your body looked? Or was it not ever about your shape and more just about eating? Um. It was probably, I would lean it a little heavier on the scale, um, no pun intended, to, um, <laughs> to the eating, um, but certainly I knew that I was heavy, um, and I certainly was, you know, would be buying clothes to hide it, um, you know, wearing bigger things, um, which I unfortunately grew out of even because I just got bigger and bigger. I was bigger my freshman year in college than I was as an adult with pregnant with my my children and and what did the size mean to you i mean when you you know what was your relationship to being that size i disliked myself intensely (laughs) um Mm -hmm. that i just couldn't control myself and i mean i really wanted to and i would certainly attempt it many times but it just never stuck um and that was you know in hindsight because i had a disease you know um Mm -hmm. it's it wasn't just my willpower I couldn't I didn't have willpower for long it was I had a mental illness and um yeah I mean I I I didn't like how I looked at all I was very uncomfortable in my skin I often felt like I was I could say like outgrowing my skin or I was getting too like my skin um I couldn't hold me anymore because I just felt Mm -hmm like I was ballooning up so much and and I kind of felt you know though I tried I was like just overall I was like just helpless to do anything about it at the time did your husband or the people you loved say anything or was this mostly was this more about your own perception um I think it was my own perception uh I mean I did I you know I would lose weight gain weight lose weight gain weight and then um I, like I had mentioned, I was an athlete, so I was always working out, and I did become a runner in my late 20s, which was right before I met my, my current husband. So 
I was able to keep a weight like that wasn't awful um, and totally bad for me. Um, I mean, I'm only like five foot three on a good day. Uh, you know, weight was very, it was really hard to hide any, you know, kind of weight gain. Um, but my husband loved me and, you know, not to get all icky, but he was interested in having sex with me all the time, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So he made me feel desirable, which, you know, mm-hmm. certainly was helpful. But I think, yeah, overall, I, I think it was still like the food part of it. It was, uh, yeah, just a, a negative. Yeah, I definitely had a negative body image towards towards mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And how how are you with that now? I'm good now. Um, you know, and that's a really weird thing for me to say. I think anybody who would see me now would think that I'm on the thin side. It feels good. I feel good in my skin and I have for some time now. And it's just, it was, it took a long time to get there because even when I did, um, you know, learned about the eating disorder and went to get help and so forth, and I did lose weight because I started, my relationship with food was getting better. I still would look in the mirror and, you know, I knew the number on the scale was a quote unquote good number, but I was still like, such I hate the word fat. I was such, I was still like the fat girl, you know, um, mm, in there mm-hmm. somewhere. And it really took me years of to finally be like, you know what, I am thin, and um, this feels good to me. This feels where I belong, and it doesn't necessarily mean that that everybody has to be thin to to feel that way. Um, just as somebody who's athletic and, you know, while I was recovering, I was doing Ironman triathlons. Um, I love, it was more just the feeling that I was in shape, um, Mm -hmm. and that I could Mm -hmm. do things. My body was able to do things. So maybe it wasn't the thin part, but was just, I look at these things I'm doing these endurance events that take, you know, 13 hours in this Mm -hmm. body. And that just felt really good to me um and you know like Mm. I said I've just from being a jock or an athlete all my life that that was more of the thing than being like oh I was looking through this magazine and now I look like this model so it wasn't right that it was more look what I can do you know I I can do this and I don't know that I'd be able to if I you know I certainly wouldn't I don't know well I can't say that because people of all shapes and sizes you know run and are active and so forth but it just felt right to me. I felt strong. I liked, you know, when I would work out and look in the mirror and I saw muscles. And, and to me, that felt good for me. It seems like you identify yourself as thin now. And I'm wondering, you know, if if your appreciation for yourself feels like it hinges at all on your size. Good question. I, I would say that probably mostly yes. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm 53, I'm like seven, eight years into perimenopause and, um, I've, I, I put on weight for no reason except my hormones and, uh, yeah, I really had to kind of grapple with that. Like, what do you mean? I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't binging and, you know, normally Mm, you'd be like, all right, I know I binged. I'm going to see it on the scale. I'm going to feel it in my clothes. Mm, And there was just no reason for it. And I had to come to grips with that and just and make peace with my body's changing and you know it's okay this is what happens you know it's normal Mm -hmm. and and it's okay 
but I was, I was really getting to a point where I was like, okay, you know what, this is my hormones. I really can't do anything about it. And I, I can love myself um, and be, feel comfortable in my own skin, even with, you know, some additional weight on. And now that I've just, you know, learned so much in the years, I know that there's health at every size. And, and really that's, you know, the important thing, you know, mm-hmm. is being healthy. And you don't have to um, be a stick figure. You don't have to be thin. None of the, you know what I mean? Like none of that. Yeah. It's, there really is body acceptance and having, there's health at every size. Um, and mm-hmm. nobody, we all don't have to be, you know, um, cardboard cutouts of each other. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could go back and tell young you a piece of advice or any encouraging words, what would you, what would you tell the young you? I would probably tell her um, that she is amazing and so um, valuable and so worthy and so loving. And even though your parents don't tell you that, you are really important <laughs> and you're really valuable and um, that food does not equate to love. And I, I also probably would have really urged her to find a strong female role model because I mm. did not have one to guide me in any way, shape or form. And I think had I had somebody who was emotionally supportive of me in my life, mm-hmm. I may not have turned to food. It's, it's, really, it's, it's really just so much within, I think. It's yeah. the, the importance of who you are and is so much more of what's inside than what's on the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that was, um, I really felt that for you, you know, your story and how you began and what your family was like. And it's, it sounds like it was really hard, but, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you've been able to survive and see what wasn't right about how you grew up and, and not what wasn't right about you. Right. And that was actually, um, you bring up a big, big, big thing that I learned while I was writing the book um, was, and I certainly was learning all through that process as well, you know, having to sort of look back at things and, and retell stories was, you know, I thought, oh my, you know, I love my kids and they're like, 22 and 19 and I still want to like eat them up which is ridiculous (laughs) but I do and I just I love them ferociously and I I was writing the book and I was thinking what was wrong with me that my mom didn't love me ferociously and I realized that it was her it was not me she just wasn't capable of that. That's not how she's wired. Um, never has been, never will be. And, and that, was all, that was just a really interesting like growth point for me because I think that's, you know, here I was now children of my own and, you know, I'm in her, the same position that, you know, she was. And that she's just not somebody who's expressive. And, you know, I made a point of anything that, anything good, I suppose, that I got from my mother was not to be like her at all. (laughs) And I was like her. I married a jerk who, you know, abused me and manipulated me just like my father did to her. And and fortunately, I am wired to be loving with my children. And, you know, though I may send them to therapy for some other reason, they, (laughs) they definitely know how loved they are and how valued they are, which is not, you know, what I had at all. So I just went a completely different way than she did. 
Mm-hmm. Where can people find your book and links to you? I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but if you want to shout out a place to find you here, that would be great. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, uh, well, my, the book is called Out of the Pantry, A Disordered Eating Journey. It can be found on Amazon. It's a paperback and an ebook, and it's also Barnes & Noble. Again, paperbook and ebook. My website is my name, so www.ronnyrobinson.com. I'm on Instagram at ronnyrobwrites. You know, and my, my passion is, you know, helping other people overcome their binge eating or compulsive overeating because I found that it is extremely prevalent, <laughs> more prevalent mm. than I would have ever imagined. Mm, yeah, I think we're all we're all starting to understand the full extent of body dysmorphia and disordered oh, yeah. eating and, and the effect it has had on so many of us. Oh, yeah. For sure. And especially the pandemic is not helping things. No, um. <laughs> it's exacerbated things so much. I hope that the people who are listening, you know, might find some resources in, in what you've said and take a look and see how they can maybe get healthier and stronger. Like I said earlier, you know, I'm, I'm really nothing special. I don't have any special powers. Um, if I could overcome and get past, you know, 30 years of the binge eating and compulsive overeating, you know, honestly, anybody can yeah, well, that's that can you know give us some heart, right? That's to take heart so. and know that it's possible. Thank you so much for being my guest and for sharing your story. And everyone, go out and get out of the pantry. It's lovingly told with a lot of introspection, and I really am glad you put your story in the world. And it's it's very honest too. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Ronit. I just I'm really grateful to um, that you would have me on. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Body Myth. If you'd like updates, want to complete the Your Body in the World survey, or have a body image anecdote you'd like me to read on air, please visit the link in the show notes or find the link in my Instagram profile at Ronit Plank. That's R-O-N-I-T-P-L-A-N-K. You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you have two more seconds, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts so that others can more easily find The Body Myth. Thank you so much for being here. 